Welcome to Straight Outta Health IT. Getting into health tech is rough, but here's an unfiltered dialogue of healthcare leaders and influencers covering a wide variety of issues affecting healthcare and the health tech industry. And now your host, Christopher Cunney. Good afternoon, this is Christopher Cunney, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Outta Health IT. This episode of Straight Outta Health IT is being recorded at the Vive 2023 conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And I have the distinct honor and pleasure of having on the show today none other than Miss Tanisha D. Hill. Who is Tanisha D. Hill? Well, she is the Senior U.S. Medical Director, Respiratory and Digital Health Medical Lead at Teva Pharmaceuticals and Founder and President, Digital Health for Equity Health Alliance, or DHEH. She is an award-winning leader with 20 years of experience in working in the healthcare industry that spans the public sector, pharmaceutical, skilled in medical affairs, product launch, clinical research, and public health practice. She's a seasoned business development professional with expertise in building and managing MLS teams, establishing relationships, and developing and implementing and evaluating programs. Wow. This is an amazing individual. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the program. Thank you, Chris. I know that's a mouthful. It is a mouthful, but you have a very (laughs) impressive resume. And like I say to a lot of my guests that are on the program, the resume tells part of the story, but it doesn't talk about your journey. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of folks want to hear, how did an individual like you become the senior medical director, respiratory and digital health medical lead at Teva Pharmaceuticals and founder of an amazing philanthropic organization. So we want to hear about that journey. Great. Well, first of all, I'm super excited to be here. I grew up in Jamaica, Queens. Oh, okay. So I was taking, I'm a New Yorker. All right. I live in Georgia, so I call myself a apple. Okay. uh, A Georgia peach (laughs) with an apple core. There you go. I like that. I haven't heard that before. I have to steal that. Yes. I was taking the bus to school in a train Mm -hmm. from 13 years old. Exactly. And, you know, typical latchkey kid. Right. Saw other people going to college, and I thought, okay, I want to do that too. And those were the days where you hand wrote your application, so I might be dating myself a little bit. I I hand wrote mine too. (laughs) I'm right there with you. Yes. So we handwritten applications got me into Wesleyan University, and then yeah, I love that place. And then I moved to Georgia because I saw uh, outbreak Mm -hmm. and thought CDC would be a cool place to work, and ended up working there. For five years. Wonderful. Um, public health is a passion. And it, I went to Emory for my Master of Public Health. I've been in epidemiology right now as my training, wrapping up a dissertation at Walden in epidemiology. And I got where I am just by taking risks, yes. really. I think people have become more risk averse with their careers exactly. these days. And, you know, well, I don't know if that's going to work or this is not working, so I'm not going to stick it out. Right. But I think my entire path is connected by a thin thread. Mm-hmm. If you look at, like, to your point, you know, my numerous titles, the equity doesn't seem to be pharma. Right. right? right. So they don't all seem to be intertwined, but technically they are. Yeah, there's a connection there. There's sure. a connection. Absolutely. Yeah. So I got where I am at Teva as a senior medical director. I lead all things digital health 
for the United States just by what I call professional stretch. Exactly. So, you know, if people will come to you and ask you to do a little bit more. Sure. Some people will say, well, that's not in my job description. Right. But I didn't do that. Right. You saw um, it as an opportunity. I saw it as an opportunity, even if it was simply an opportunity to learn. Exactly. And I think what it allowed was for me to be exposed within the organization. I'll just be honest, you know, these are not usually organizations where they have a lot of senior leaders who are of color right. or a lot of senior leaders who are women. Or senior leaders who are women of, of color. color. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so just by saying yes to the professional stretch, it was sure. more than what I really probably wanted to do, but I learned significantly. I learned about managing budgets. I learned about managing people. And so that's how I got to where I am right now at Teva Pharmaceuticals. And I think I would never trade any of those experiences. I would never go back to, I worked at the Centers for Disease Control. I would never give that up. I think each opportunity in my life has built me to become the person that I am and where I am today. That's great. And I think you said something that's really profound. It's something that I've used throughout my career as well. People are sometimes so afraid of taking risk and they don't realize sometimes that failure is a part of the process of growth. It creates character and it helps us solve problems. It helps us understand that maybe some things aren't what we were supposed to do in our passion and mission in life. And so it's okay for those things to happen. And then the other thing is, you know, I've asked myself is, what's the worst that could happen if I do fail? And can I survive it? And so at that point, then is it really a risk? Right. And so it sounds like you've uh, adopted a similar philosophy in your journey as well, and it has led you to where you are today. So that's amazing. So tell me a little bit about your role then and what you're doing at your organization today. Mm -hmm. So at Teva, I have been at the forefront of the launch, FDA approval, and launch of probably one and only, or first and only, digital inhalers for asthma and folks with respiratory disease. That sounds exciting. Right? Yeah, I've learned a lot, worked closely with the FDA, understanding. And, you know, I think that there's this idea that maybe that there's a lot of regulation and the Mm -hmm. FDA doesn't necessarily partner from a digital health space. Sure. But I learned actually opposite in my, I've been doing this now probably about seven years, trying to get this product launched and approved and now adopted amongst populations of people. So that's really what I do at Teva. I generate evidence. Mm -hmm. So I lead lots of clinical studies to see what is this really going to do for people in the real world. And the payers want to know that, right, to see if they're going to cover these things for patients. So the policymakers, and that's my link to, as well as physician, but the policymakers is my link to what I do for the nonprofit. Sounds good. So with the advent of COVID and the whole George Floyd incident, I was in Atlanta. That's where I am, right? So you can imagine how many riots were going on. The housewives of Atlanta were out there doing their thing. And I'm an Atlanta native. You're an Atlanta native. Oh, I know. I was right there in the thick of it. Yes. And unfortunately, we didn't get the media coverage on what was happening in Atlanta looked a little bit different in some yes, instances of what was really going on. It was Absolutely. really peaceful in a number of places mm-hmm. and lots of people in all walks of life looking very different, exactly. all trying to make a difference out there. And I don't know that that resonated across national media, right? but it did make me myself feel kind of guilty. 
Yeah, you know, it's so funny you said that because to your point, when we were, and I actually took the opportunity to also go out and voice my support for what was happening or, you know, disdain on what was happening as it related to George Floyd and the sea of people that were there protesting in the streets of Atlanta and the rainbow of people that were there. And in fact, to my embarrassment, I actually had a white friend of mine called me and said, where are you? <laughs> Why aren't you here? You know, because in my mind, I was like, I'm not going out there and possibly get hurt or injured. <laughs> but he's like, no, you need to be out here with me. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it was an amazing experience. And I don't think we got the opportunity to get that kind of exposure mm-hmm. as well. And that's what made me figure, I felt the same way you did. What can I do to make a difference, mm-hmm. right? And exactly. I also reflected back on, my dad is 89 mm-hmm. this year. And I remember when I bought my first house in Georgia, Right. I was only 24 wow. years old. And I handed him a key mm-hmm. and he was really taken aback. And he said, you know, he never thought that he would have a key to a home in Georgia where exactly. he had to ride on the back of the bus. Right. Where people spat at mm-hmm. him or, you know, he went into restaurants and had to go through the back door. Exactly. Or wouldn't serve him at all. Or wouldn't, exactly, right. wouldn't serve him at all. And so I reflected back on what I, I often do that now, mm-hmm. especially in my role at DHEH. I reflected back on what the Freedom Fighters might have had to gone through. What did my dad have to go through? Exactly. And what, But it was a different era, sure. right? We had leaders like Martin Luther King and we had Malcolm X. who were people sort of at the forefront. Right. I think we're missing that a little bit amongst our community. Yeah. It's not the same structure. Exactly. So that's why I was thinking, okay, out, folks are really doing well with protesting. Mm-hmm. What can I do? And how would I be adding, right? Or or how would I even add as one more body there? Exactly. What can I do with the resources that I have? And it sort of came to me, you, to your point, I had established a presence Mm -hmm. where I was in Teva. Right. And they were also interested in figuring out what can we do? So I went with this idea to start a nonprofit to start this coalition with the premise of bringing folks together who never have really connected. Exactly. Because if we don't get together from all walks of life, it's really going to be, you have to sort of lift all boats. That's right. right. The rising tides raise all ships, right? Yeah. How do you change your narrative by yourself where you can't? You can't. Exactly. Exactly. And so they were very supportive. It is a nonprofit that is not a temple organization, but it is a membership organization that has pharma, it has community-based organizations, it has our medical institutions, our HBCU medical institutions, it has CBOs, American Cancer Society, ACS CAN. And so I wanted to make sure that whatever we did with this organization was going to be reflective of making change in the community. I also wanted to make sure that it was reflective of all the people who could make change, be engaged engaged and make a difference. And so that's how I ended up starting the Digital Health for Equitable Health. Wonderful. Amazing story. It's so similar in so many ways to my own, too. And I I won't take the time to go through my own journey here because this is your time. But it reminds me a lot of my own family upbringing. And I as well reflect on the challenges and issues they dealt with and how they were able to survive that, navigate that, to put us in the places where we are today to now hopefully make a real difference going forward. So let's talk a little bit more about DHEH. What is the mission and what are the specific initiatives you guys are focused on? Yeah, so let me tell you how, a few more items, a few more things that actually got me excited about DHEH. So like I said, I was in digital health Mm -hmm. at Teva, and I get to work with 
pulmonologists and allergists, mm-hmm. and I've been doing this for almost 13 years. Right. So I have established relationships with folks who are doing so much exactly. in that space. I think people don't realize how asthma can be. You could be here today and gone tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, Especially in communities of color. Of color. Where we're, exactly. Yes. Where we're significantly impacted. Mm-hmm. I think the same is for allergies. Absolutely. You think it's just a sneeze mm-hmm. or, you know, itching here and there, but you could get anaphylaxis if you're allergic reaction, die, exactly. right? And so with the advent of COVID, I noticed that more of the pulmonologists and allergists were using telemedicine, right? Right. It's sort of you had to at that point. And as things seemed to progress around COVID in terms of getting technically better or not mm-hmm. as many people getting the spread of the disease was right. sort of trying to get to a different place. Sure. I was talking to two people within a week. Mm-hmm. One was a black pulmonologist. Right. She called me in the evening and she was really upset because there was a patient that was 26-year-old black male in the ICU intubated. Exactly. He shouldn't have been there. Right. Death of asthma is preventable. Right. So she was a little bit upset about it. And we ended up talking about telehealth. And I said, well, what do you plan on doing mm-hmm. with telehealth when things changing? The accessibility is not the same. Sure. Because right now we have the relaxation, reimbursement, all of that as a result of the pandemic. But what happens when it changes? She said, this has gotten me in front of patients I have not been able to see. She said, I intend on doing this about 50% of the time. Within a week, a different allergist, not a person that's not of color, right. said he was only going to do about 15%, if at all. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Within a week. Wow. And both very close to me. I've known them for a very long time. It has nothing to do with... I'm just curious. What was that person's rationale for... I was... Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. So, no, no, no. It's just that there was no reimbursement. Oh. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just about money, but, you know, with that, you're able to pay the people who are answering the phones. Absolutely. The people who check patients in and check patients out. Exactly. And if you can't... If keep your lights on, right? Keep the no lights mon- no on. No money, no mission. Right. right. You could want to see these folks, but if it's not helping to keep the people who are employed, mm-hmm. employed, then you can't really sustain it. It's not exactly. sustainable. And I thought, well, what can we do? And I started realizing that the phones are ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Smartphones are now more. The last Pew survey I saw was greater than 90 percent use across Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Those who report to be Hispanic, black exactly. or white. And we're all using economic levels as well. Too. Exactly. Right. Children. Right. I was running studies back in Atlanta where six year olds were using cell phones. Exactly. Right. So I thought, well, let's see what we can do. And so digital health for equitable health seemed like the one best chance that we have sure. to make to. Make a dent in health inequity. Right. Right. And so I thought, well, how can we do that alone? Mm -hmm. And we can't. And so we started looking, a few people that work with me within the organization started looking at what others were doing. And honestly, we noticed that there were all these coalitions popping up around COVID-19. I won't name the coalitions, but they were out there. And I was like, well, why start something new when you can Help support others, exactly. right? Already there. But there was no, honestly, when I looked really deep, there wasn't enough representation sure. of people of color. Sure. There were great organizations who had interest and passion, exactly. but we were not included. Right. There was no people of color on the boards. Mm-hmm. There were no institutions. The HBCUs weren't invited. Exactly. And so that's what started the Digital Health for Equitable Health. So our governance is that there will always be representation of people of color on the board. Right. So that we're not just having members mm-hmm. be people of color, but the people of color are the ones who are also helping make the decisions sure. on what happens with the organization. No, I think that's really important. And it's because you want to always 
keep that perspective and exactly. mind around the mission. So mm-hmm. I commend you for that. So our mission is to, and I was actually inspired by one of the health conferences, believe it or not. Because I saw so many people doing, this is all happening around the same right, time. Right. And I saw so many people at my first health conference doing something about health equity. Exactly. With digital technology. Absolutely. And I thought I used that as an opportunity my second time around sure. to come and see how I can partner and get others to join the organization as members to make a difference. That's my great. second meeting, I realized that there are a lot of initiatives. There are a lot of initiatives around health equity, initiatives around clinical trial diversity. Right. There's a lot going on with education but very little around policy. Exactly. And you can try as much as you can to educate. It may land, but Mm -hmm. if you don't have the tools or if there's not sustainable policies that allow for actual action or execution, we're not going to get anywhere. That's right. So this is policy focused. Absolutely. And I'm glad to hear that. There's a really good book. You probably have read it already by Daniel Dawes called The Political Determinants of Health. Yes. Uh, Yes. And (laughs) as you know, it talks about how policies impact health equity. Yep. And I think it's a really interesting lens that we put on it. And there's not enough being done to advocate for policies that will help to close the gap Mm -hmm. in health equity. So I commend you for establishing a vehicle to support that and advocate for that. Thank you. Yeah. So what we do is we have a team of attorneys that actually scan policy for us. And when we see policies put forth for consideration, if there's open for public comment, we always make sure that we comment on the intersection of digital health and health equity. Right. There are experts who are experts in equity. Mm -hmm. There are experts who are experts in health equity. There are experts in digital health. But we pride ourselves on being an expert on the intersection of the two. Exactly. And so anytime that we see a bill or anything being put forth that doesn't include any sort of conversation around health equity and or digital health specifically, we comment to remind folks, hey, don't forget about the underserved populations. Absolutely. And have you considered how you can use digital technology to make a difference? So that's really where our focus is. I think at some point we want to expand to be the number one resource in this area. And we also want to do more in terms of other initiatives. But right now, policy for me was the biggest gap. Oh, absolutely. And probably one that has the most significant impact in a number of different ways as well, too, especially in this hyper-political environment we're in today, always trying to keep a measuring stick there when it comes to no matter who's in office, uh, ensuring that those policies continue to meet all who are impacted by the healthcare system and the delivery of care in this country. As we wrap up this segment, I'm just curious if you could maybe share with us one thing you think this association or alliance has done to impact healthcare in our country. Is there a specific piece of legislation that you guys have been able to somehow influence or some policies that you're offering input and insights on that you'd like to share with our audience? Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you asked. You're welcome. So we are a relatively new organization. Behind the scenes, it took about two years to develop. Right. But publicly, we launched our first press release last year, May. Our organization grew in size within maybe six months from maybe three or four to we're now at 15 or 16 member organizations. And so that's one of the first things that I'm really proud of in terms of work that we've done. And we've submitted several comments already to the Hill. 
Wonderful. Uh, and we always remind folks, hey, clinical trial diversity, because, you know, we know that there's legislation around clinical trial yes, diversity. So we commented on that. We commented on the Pandemics Act. And recently, just this past Monday, we sent comments around right now, there's a bill being evaluated to look at the workforce. Right. We sort of want to reevaluate mm-hmm. the workforce. And that makes sense because what's happening, Chris, is that people in our current environment aren't necessarily wanting to be doctors or nurses anymore. Oh, I know. Exactly. There's, right? there's, there's going to be a huge shortage here in the next decade or 450,000 yes. nurse shortage mm-hmm. in the next five years, yes. hundreds of thousands of physicians short, over 100,000 short shortage in physicians exactly. in the next five years. And we already are not represented in terms of people of color. Absolutely. The proportion of healthcare providers of color does not equal to the standard general proportion of population of people of color right now. Absolutely. So imagine what will happen in the next five years. That's imagine, right. And are we really prepared for the next pandemic? Because there's going to be another one. That's right? right. And I think the pandemic put so much strain and burden on the healthcare system, healthcare providers. They can make money on social media now. You don't necessarily have to have a traditional job. And so there was a recent bill. And we right. just actually we, submitted we, on past Monday right. our comments. Interesting. And our comments were very specific. Our comments were, make sure that these folks are inclusive, uh, that you're being inclusive of people of color. And more specifically, also consider how you can use digital health technologies to help not just support patients, but also the practicing providers. How can you improve efficiencies, right? Which I think is probably wheelhouse for you. Yeah, my world is well as (laughs) well, too. And I I would also comment that, as you know, we obviously see a difference in the level of care delivered to black and brown people based on the color of the person who's delivering that care as well, too, unfortunately. And so we want to, again, make sure that Folks are being held accountable for delivering quality care, but more importantly, also make sure that those communities are represented with people who look like them exactly. as well, too, so that there is equitable treatment going forward. So we're here at Vive now. Yes. One of the major organizational accomplishments was that we had a meetup at Health. Oh, it's great. It was amazing. There were I, two, I missed it. Yeah, I'm sorry you missed it. We'll have to make sure you come to the next one. Absolutely. So we invite folks to consider joining mm-hmm. DHEH. We're going to be at Vibe again. We'll be at Health again. I can tell you our website is dhhalliance.org. We're always there for looking to hear from more people. So I'm excited that you allowed me to come join you today. I'm excited that you're here, and I'm excited for the mission that you have launched for the work that you're doing in this industry. It will have ripple effects well beyond both our time on this planet. As I close out this session of Straight Out of Healthcare IT, I always ask my guests to, if there's one piece of advice that you could share with an audience, someone who is inspired to be in your shoes, what would you share? Or better yet, what would you tell your younger self, 16-year-old, 15-year-old, 18-year-old person, if you could go back in time and have a conversation with them, what would you share with them? Yeah, I actually wrote an article about this on LinkedIn. Oh, check it out. Yeah, it's pretty dated. I don't know where it is now, but it's resilient. Right. What I've noticed is the folks these days are not as resilient. It's easy to move from where it's uncomfortable, right. especially in the workforce, exactly. to do something else. Right. Hence the shortage right, exactly. that we anticipate with doctors and nurses, for example. Sure. And sometimes you just have to hold it down. You just have to 
Ride it know, out. Ride it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's and right. That's how diamonds become beautiful, right? That's they right. sort of need a little sharpening. Exactly. And I wouldn't say that you would, you know, want to be subjective to mistreatment or anything like that. But I do think right. that there's a fine line between that and where it's just, um, I don't think I'm getting exactly what I want out of this. When most of the time we don't really know what we want right. yet. And I didn't think that I would ever be sitting here. I didn't exactly. think I would meet you. I thought I was going to be a physician somewhere, Sure. you know, going from room to room. I'm actually glad that I'm not going from room to room because right. I realized that I have a greater impact on people in this way with the role that I have now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So resilience for me. I love it. And we'll leave it on just that. Thank you so much for taking time out your busy schedule to join me on this episode of Straight Out of Health IT. Thank you, audience, for listening. It's a pleasure, Tanisha D. Hill, to have you as a guest. I look forward to having you back in future discussions. And I look forward to learning more about what you're doing and be involved with DHEH. And again, if you want to tell our audience where they can find out more information about your foundation or alliance, I should say, please share that with our audience. Sure. It's www.dhehalliance.org. Wonderful. Well, it's a wrap. Thank you again, audience, for taking time out your busy schedule to listen in. I appreciate your support. Let's make this episode of Straight Out of Health IT go viral. And I'll see you next time. Peace out. Thank you so much for listening to Straight Outta Health IT. We hope you enjoyed today's guest. For more unfiltered dialogue of healthcare leaders and influencers, be sure to tune in next week. For the show notes, transcripts, and resources, please visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite streaming platform. We invite you to give us feedback by reaching out to Christopher Cunny on LinkedIn, just searching for Straight Outta Health IT, and you'll find us. We are constantly having live discussions about diverse topics in the industry. 